the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is brought to you by The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track, S P O T R A C, for 40% off your annual subscription. They're take, tracking all of the return of sports and, of course, the return of the NFL, which is what we're going to talk about today. It is NFL franchise tag deadline day, the, the final day that teams have to extend multi year contracts to players who have been franchise tagged. We do have a bit of breaking news in terms of the running back market, believe it or not, of all the contracts that we thought would, would get signed today. I think Derrick Henry's is probably last on the list, but we do have news from Jay Glazer and Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport that there is a four-year contract extension coming for Derrick Henry. Um, if we see the numbers during this show, we'll certainly talk to speak to that. We're going to bring in Scott Allen, the other piece of the puzzle here, and sort of go back and forth here on all of these franchise tag players, many of whom will not have a contract in the next couple of minutes. And Yannick Ngakwe, who we thought would be traded, it looks like that's not going to be the case either, though that could still happen. Um, and we'll speak to that in a bit as well. So we'll run through the franchise tags. Uh, I want to mention a little bit about the situation that the NFLPA has posed to the league. The, all the other leagues had to go through the, uh, the weeds to get back to the season here. And for the most part, we think the NHL and the NBA and Major League Baseball are headed in that direction. The NFL has sort of been slow playing this thing, business as usual, which to some degree makes sense. But now we've got a situation where the NFLPA has proposed some bullets, some bullet points to the league in the event that training cap happens, in the event that, this, that the league does go on. Here's the, here's the nuts and bolts of it. They want some, some, I guess, security, financial security with training camp. So if they go and training camp has to stop two days in, for instance, they want a $250,000 stipend, basically a guarantee that locks in some cash for the work being done. Because quite frankly, they've been doing work already to get themselves ready for training camp. So that's a big part of it. And yes, I understand there's workout bonuses. And yes, I understand there's plenty that goes along with an NFL season and they're paid plenty of money at the end of the year. But look, not everybody makes $35 million a year here. So this is a good move by the NFLP to at least get the conversation starting that training camp should come at a cost because they're putting themselves at risk, of course. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. So that's number one. Number two, vested veteran salaries. If we get to week one, are those going to lock in 100%? Even if we've only, only played 10 games, will there be guaranteed contracts in the NFL regardless of how many games are played? Next. What happens in, in, a, in the situation of an opt-out? Can a player opt-out? And if so, if that player is deemed a high risk, can they still earn their salary? Otherwise, can they opt-out voluntarily and still accrue a season? That's what they want. They want some financial or at least veteran status security for players who choose to opt-out. And I think it's a good move there. Now, look, this isn't all going to come back as a yes from the league. We know that for sure. We went, we've seen the back and forth with these leagues all summer. So the NFL is going to come back with something, but this is a really good start. This is a really good start. What happens if there's no season? What happens to guaranteed salaries if there's no season? Is everything just going to toll to 2020, including the league salary cap? I think that's a possibility. But like I said, there's already been work done. There's already been work done. There's a, you know, six months of mini camps and workouts and, and personal workouts that have been done to get ready for a season that may not happen. So there's going to have to be some sign of, I mean, if you remember, Major League Baseball did salary advances, pulled, pulled some money in from their current contracts to allow them to be paid across the spring and the summer where they're going to be working but not playing games. It's possible that the league does that, pull some salary advance into, from current contracts 
tolls the remainder of those contracts into 2021 and, and it's business as usual next year, as long as the health and safety situation improves. But they're starting to have that kind of conversation. We're only 12 days out of training camps here. So it's kind of a little too late to do that. But needless to say, the league will have to respond now. We'll see what kind of salary situation is put into place, what kind of stipulations for opt-outs are put into place. But that kind of conversation has started with the league and it is on the heels of some major contracts. We certainly had Mahomes last week. We've got Chris Jones this week. We had Christian McCaffrey not too long ago. And it looks like coming down the pipeline is Derrick Henry. Let's bring in Scott Allen, the other piece of this spot track puzzle to discuss that. Have you ever wanted to take a shot at getting a $12,000 Michael Jordan rookie card or a $1,600 autographed Tom Brady helmet for a fraction of the price? Hit Parade is the premier authentic autographed sports memorabilia mystery box manufacturer in the country. Take a shot at getting an autographed item from the biggest names in the game like Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, Zion Williamson, Mike Trout, and many more. And oh, by the way, congratulations to Dan Morgan, our Hit Parade Collection Major League Baseball opening day social media winner. We threw a post out a couple of weeks ago that where we asked for the best Major League Baseball opening day story you got. Got plenty of responses. Thank you to all who did that. Dan Morgan's the winner. He got a mystery memorabilia box from Hit Parade and broke my heart <laughs> because he opened that thing up and scored himself a an autographed Pete Alonzo jersey, official, of course. So I, uh, I immediately regretted this contest, but I'm happy for him. Hopefully we can do this again. We're going to try to do this with a bunch of the other sports, especially as they get going and get open, kind of a way to commemorate the, the sports coming back. Knock on wood there. But uh, congratulations to Dan. Thanks again to Hit Parade. It's a really awesome product. It's basically like a grab bag where you're going to get something good. And uh, if you get the ones that include a bunch of memorabilia, you're going to get a whole variety of what you're looking for and a chance at something really, really valuable. Visit dacardworld.com to check out your Hit Parade memorabilia today. Scott, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, let's talk franchise tags. I mentioned in the open here that we've got a situation with running backs getting paid, which is kind of unbelievable, that you've got a list of about 12 to 13 names here that, who were tagged in February. Chris Jones got paid yesterday. It looks like that's now official if I'm reading the Chiefs Twitter feed correctly. So we'll start to get details on that. Um, spoke to a few of those details before, but just to lay them out there for you, Scott, looks like there's no signing bonus in that Chris Jones contract. He's going he's gonna to make about 15 to 16 million this year. So about the same as he would have made on the franchise tag. And after that, my guess is, looking at these other Chiefs contracts we have, that next year there's going to be a gigantic roster bonus that can be restructured, that can be moved around so that there's cap flexibility this year and next year to kind of keep this thing together for at least two more years, which is the contract situation for Travis Kelsey, Tyron Matthew, and a few of those other, other players. So it looks like everything the Chiefs are doing is for 2020 and 2021, and this Chris Jones deal is just another part of that. Thoughts on the Chiefs keeping everybody together? Is it going to work? Is, it, is this too much, you know, at, at one time? We've seen teams try to do this, try to really pile it all together at once and stay together. And you tell me this, can dynasties happen right now in a hard cap league? Uh, no, but maybe the Chiefs can buck that trend. Um, I'm, I think it's interesting to signing bonus. I mean, that means there's no prorated value across five or years exactly. or whatever. They wanted to make all the cap flexible, including this year's salary. The second you sign a signing bonus, that cap is locked in in place. You can't move it. You're right. That's exactly why they do it. Yeah. So, look, I mean, if this works out, 
this is going to be a book to write for all teams to follow. I, I don't know if the 12-year contract is how you start the book, but <laughs> they started their book. <laughs> no, but I mean, the fact that they're manipulating what little cap that they did have and they're able to get Mahomes extended, they're able to get Jones extended and still have a little bit of wiggle room here and there in the next year or two. I mean, the fact that they're able to keep these core players, mm -hmm. sort of like we've seen in some of these other leagues where you have the core players and you build around them. And then, you know, if it works, it's going to be that trend that teams analyze for future, uh, future years to try to mitigate on their own team. I agree. And we'll see what happens with the Chiefs versus the Cowboys in the next couple of seasons, because that's, to me, that's the dynamic. They both had a lot of pieces to sign. The Chiefs went kind of backwards, to some degree backwards, you know, signing Tyreek Hill, signing a couple of those, Sammy Watkins, they brought in on a really gaudy contract there from free agency. And then, of course, you know, they brought in some smaller running backs, signed Eric Winston, their left tackle. Then it was Mahomes. Tyron Matthew was a little bit before that. And then Chris Jones was the last piece of the puzzle. So the Cowboys are doing everything completely backwards and finishing with the quarterback and finishing with a quarterback that I'm not sure they really want. What are your thoughts on this? How are you interpreting the Cowboys versus Dak Prescott over the past eight months? Because there's a lot of back and forth. Maybe there's not as much negotiation as people have speculated there to be because it sure sounds like that <laughs> to some degree, this has been off the table since March. The same offer that was there in March, which was 33 to 35 million a year at, at about 105 million guaranteed, is still there right now. That's, that's essentially what Jane Slater reported last night. Um, so it hasn't gone up and it hasn't gotten shorter, which is what Dak wanted. Dak wanted more guaranteed in less years. I understand, especially now seeing Mahomes. Is this Dallas trying to penny pinch? Is this Dallas saying, we don't think you're as elite as this contract thinks, you know, says you should be? Or is this simply just, we're in a pandemic, we can't be reckless, let's, let's stay on the one-year deal. It works for both of us. What are your thoughts there, Scott? I'll go a fourth option. Dak wants to do potentially what Kirk Cousins has done, get yeah. tagged twice in a row, potentially, and get all that guaranteed and then maybe re-up again on a different team if he has to. But if he's not going to get the deal that he wants, it's sort of in it, the ball's in his court to do what he wants to. He doesn't have to sign that extension. He can go and just play on the tag. And if they tag him again, then that's guaranteed money in his pocket again. And then he might be coveted two years from now and in, in re up for even more money if he's that coveted and he produces on the field for those two years. Yeah, it's a good point to make because we spend so much time looking at the money and talking about the money and the guarantees that might go with it. Because generally speaking, it's the most important discussion we should be having with contracts. What we forget is that Dak makes a ton of money from Campbell's Soup and a ton of money from three or four other endorsements in Dallas, not to mention the local things we don't even see here outside of the bubble. But he's, he's got his money, is my point. We can look at his career earnings on Track and see it's $4.9 or whatever it is and say, well, he's, you know, he needs his due. He's got his money. So he knows he's going to get paid somewhere over the course of whatever year. And barring a knock on wood, tragic injury, that payday is coming for him on the football field. I think you're right. I think it's more about control than it is about money right now. And when you're franchise tagged, you can lose control 
but you lose a lot more control when you lock yourself into five years under Jerry Jones tutelage. And that's, and that's just a fact. Your, your position is too important to, be, to have years on a contract that aren't guaranteed. And if you've got a five-year contract, two of those years are not going to be in your control. They're going to be in Jerry Jones' control. And oh, by the way, those two years will be involved in a, in a gigantic salary cap increase when there's probably nine other quarterbacks who are going to jump ahead of Dak Prescott's number because of extensions and new money and teams that can actually afford to pay top dollar, things like that. So it's all bad news on a multi-year contract for Dak Prescott. The original offer was, you know, fair market value, but not top of the market. And it hasn't, it hasn't been raised since. So I'm, we're now past the four o'clock mark, Scott. Uh, It's official. Dak Prescott is going to play out the franchise tag in 2020, $31.4 million. He's going to get tagged again. (laughs) It's going to happen. Next February, we're going to be discussing a $37 million franchise tag for Dak Prescott, and we're going to have four or five months of this conversation all over again. Do they extend him or not? And if, if I'm Dak Prescott, I'll, actually, I'll push it to you. If you're Dak Prescott in February of 2021, what do we do with the second franchise tag? You sign it immediately, yeah. just like her cousins did. Sign it immediately, especially with the pandemic situation we're in. We don't know what how long this is going to go as soon as you get that that tender you sign it you lock it at least that amount of money and then you can negotiate if you want but you i find it interesting that the redskins double tag cousins and now the cowboys potentially could double tag uh prescott both yep. teams being in the same division you don't really see double tags from from teams as it is so it's kind of interesting in that aspect, but yeah, you absolutely signed that right away. I completely agree with you. And I'll take it one step further. You and I both know what's coming in 2022 and it's TV money and the revenue is going to bounce back regardless of how bad it gets this year. It's going to bounce back in 2022 by 2023. There should be a significant increase in league salary cap. Dak doesn't want to sign a multi-year contract next year. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to lock himself even into four years at that point. If you wanted four years this year, he'll want three next year. And my guess is he just signs the tag like you're saying and says, give me my 70 million for two years. And then I'll either hit free agency or we'll talk about this all again next February. So I think we're, in a, we're definitely in a double tag situation and possibly in a double tag playing situation for Dak Prescott now. And let's leave it at that. Let's move on. We've got some breaking news here, Scott. Derrick Henry's official. He is one of two franchise tag players to get a deal done before the deadline. Um, Four years, $50 million, $25.5 million guaranteed. Sounds just about right. When you, when you double tag Derrick Henry, you get $22.5 million. Um, I mentioned today on Twitter that um, Christian McCaffrey got $30 million fully guaranteed. Zeke Elliott got $28 million guaranteed. You knew Henry was going to fall on there somewhere below that. He just isn't the caliber of running back that those two guys are in terms of versatility. But 25 and a half, it seems just about right. This is a, this is a strong deal as long as the Titans – have an out after the second year, which I imagine they will. Thoughts, Scott? I think it's a, a great move on, on both ends. I mean, Henry gets his money, and the Titans have their running back that was a staple, especially last year. And having Tannehill locked up, Oof. you have – we'll see what that is. We've talked about that in the past. But, I mean, they have a quarterback that they're comfortable with. They have the running back that they're – They've got a nice core of skill players, of wide receivers, and that kind of stuff. So I, I think it's a win-win situation right now for the Titans. They obviously love their 2019 offense enough to pay it. 
because they've just pumped out $116 million worth of guaranteed money to the quarterback and the running back. And I, I can't disagree with it. I think the Tannehill contract is a little, is a little too strong. I'm not sure who they were bidding against on in that contract. I mean, if Ryan Tannehill gets left, gets sent to the open market, who's signing him to, you know, 91 million guaranteed. We didn't, you know, we just saw Cam Newton get a million and a half. So it's uh, it's, it's an interesting situation. They put themselves in there, but the Henry, Henry deal feels good to me. It's the right move for the running back. And Oh, by the way, this is why Derrick Henry signed this and didn't need, didn't wait for the big time, $16.5 million contract. Because not signing a contract this year means you're a free agent next year at 27 years old with Elvin Kamara, Delvin Cook, Aaron Jones, Leonard Fournette, Chris Carson, James Conner, Joe Mixon, Kenyon Drake, Kareem Hunt, Matt Breida, and more. There are yeah, absolute <laughs> dozen running backs set to hit the market. And they're going to compete for dollars that won't be there for them. Because, oh, by the way, there's probably four rookies coming out of the draft that are going to be just as impactful. So it's not about average salary. It's not about, you know, breaking the, breaking the bank for Derrick Henry. It's about getting what you think you're worth over the next two years and getting out. Because that's how teams are going to operate right now. And, you know, you say no to that, you're getting $10 million on a franchise tag and your future's very much in doubt after that. So I'm happy for Henry. I think the Tennessee made a good move here. Two for 25 for me was always the right place to be. And that's what it looks like in the end of the deal here. All right, moving on here. Uh, let's just go quickly through the guys who didn't get signed and maybe discuss their quick futures. AJ Green in Cincinnati, Scott. Lots of injuries. He's getting mm-hmm. up there in age a little bit. I mean, he's, he's a little past his prime is all. He's not, you know, ancient. New quarterback. It's a newer coach that didn't, certainly didn't work out last year to start. So we're going to see where it goes in year two. But thoughts on AJ Green? This could be the end of the road for him. Really? Yeah. I mean, one injury away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's got to stay healthy. He's got to show that he still has what he had in years previous. And if he can be healthy and show that he um, can produce on the field, I mean, going into – I mean, you could th- they could tag him again or let him just walk or do the extension. But, I mean, if he walks, there's going to be teams that are going to take a chance on him, for sure. I think the $18 million tag is a nice little gift for him right now because, you know, you're coming off an injury. Nobody expected that tag to even happen because it was going to be a wait and see on him from a health perspective where to start 2020 as it was. Uh, so I think the $18 million is definitely a gift, and it's a nice situation for him to be in with Joe Burrow and vice versa. It feels a little Larry Fitzgerald to Kyler Murray kind of and that certainly worked out so Fitzgerald has continued to play on one-year deals there he's a little bit older of course but you, you kind of like how that veteran wide receiver with a young quarterback situation can work I see it I see it working out that way I think that's possible I think there's a, there's a chance where you know the, the two of them meld in 2020 however many games were played and we get ourselves to an extension for AJ Green come next December when this is eligible again didn't make any sense to do that now, though, so it's not even worth talking about. Let's talk Yannick Ngakwe. Um, he is now officially locked into that $17.8 million franchise tag, but he, is, he has not signed it. He has not signed it. The only way he was going to sign it up leading up to this point was if there was a trade. He wants out. He wants out of a Jaguar team that is, you know, essentially tanking, whether it's for Trevor Lawrence or whatever. They're, they're releasing players off their defense left and right. You know, my, my guess is they won't sign a player like Leonard Fournette. They'll let him walk. So we'll see what happens with the rest of this, this roster. But keeping a player like Ngakwe, who's disgruntled and on an $18 million cap and cash hit right now, seems wrong. 
We saw Jadavian Clowney last year, Scott, get traded after the deadline from Houston to Seattle. And in that trade, Houston ended up having to pay half of the tag. So they, they actually kept half the tag as dead cap and cash. Seattle got Jadavian Clowney for one year and $8 million last year. Is that what we're going to see here? Are we going to see one of these teams that have interest in him on a long-term deal take him on a one-year flyer now and maybe have some of, the, uh, some of that money stay with Jacksonville? Yeah, that's an interesting concept. I, I could definitely see it happening. And if it does happen, we may see it happen even more in the future where yes. players that are not happy are going to force teams' hands. And that's kind of a situation where that cap gets split up. But I think that in this case, it sounds like he wants out really bad. So I could see him being on a different team to start week one for sure. So to me, it's going to be a situation between him and Jadavion Clowney now. Because now that, now that Ngakwe is locked into the one year, they can't, no team can give him a multi-year contract extension now. So if Jadavion Clowney was looking for you know, $15 million, is that the number that you can get Ngakwe for out of Jacksonville? Do you, do you have Jacksonville pay $3 million just to trade him away and uh, get him down to a, a more cost-controlled trade? I'm thinking of teams like Tennessee. I'm thinking of teams like the Vegas Raiders. And then maybe even the Jets get involved, who could certainly use a pass rusher as well. Um, but there's going to be offers now. Now that, now that he's locked into the one-year deal, there's going to be offers. And those offers will probably come with some retained money to Jacksonville now that we've seen that with, uh, with Clowney last year. But then it's, it's super interesting that Clowney still sits out there as a wide-open free agent as well. Because Ngakwe's price could now drive Clowney down even more. Because now there's two, there's two players vying for essentially one spot on, on all of these contending teams that want, you know, there's Clowney services. The Browns just gave Miles Garrett $125 million. They were supposedly in on Clowney. It's very interesting to see how this all unfolds. A, a, a player of Clowney's caliber in, on July 15th, unsigned, is kind of unheard of. So now that not Ngakwe can get involved in this conversation, it's becoming more interesting. To me, that's the story to watch over the next couple of weeks here as training camps open up. Okay. Uh, Brandon Scherf, in your neck of the woods, I don't think anybody thought <laughs> that the Washington team was going to extend a guard in the middle of this whole situation. It just didn't make sense. They have no idea who, who they are right now as a team. They certainly have a defensive line that, that a lot of teams would, uh, would dream about. There's no problem there. They've got a couple of nice cornerbacks, and the offense is a bit of a mess. But let's just put it that way. So I don't think they could have gotten Scherf to sign a contract even if they offered it to him. It sounds like probably he's not long for this team, depending on how things go in 2020. But he is going to break the bank, if and when. I mean, he's going to, break, he's going to be the next highest-paid guard in NFL history, and there's going to be a team out there that's going to do that, possibly even the Cleveland Browns. I'm going to keep them in the conversation because they, you know, they're going to need to solidify that offensive line even more as they get acclimated with Baker Mayfield's system. But where are we with Washington right now? Let's leave the name change and the pending possible <laughs> lawsuits that, that might be forthcoming in the next couple of days. Let's leave that out of it and just talk about the football team right now. Yeah, you made, made a great point. I mean, he's going to go for top dollar. Um, they don't know who they are, so yeah. um, they've tagged him. Will uh, they tag him again? Are they going to – is he going to be on a different team come next year? I mean, everything's up in the air with this team right now. Even it goes to the quarterbacks. I mean, yeah. the running backs. I mean, they just had a – uh, a player get injured in, in training the other day who's out for the entire season. So they have so many questions on that team right now that, I mean, who knows? I mean, I think the last I saw 
they were projected at four and a half wins or five wins for the upcoming season. Yeah. They're, they're not going to win. So, um, I mean, <laughs> tagging him and him playing on the tag. And if he's just banking on, um, did he sign that tender? Yeah. So it's 15 million. I mean, he's getting tackle money. He's getting tackle. Yeah, money. So, so, I mean, if he played, he's playing on that and then he can walk essentially next year to go to a different team that he wants to be on that wants him. I mean, that team is what it is. And, yeah, there's no question. Yeah, I think everything you just said is, is, is how it's going to play out. Uh, there won't be a, too much concern about a double tag for him next year because that would be crazy money for an offensive guard to just to double tag him at 120% of $15 million. Uh, so it's likely he'll walk into free agency next year and he'll be very, very highly valued there. I, I think it's good news for him, even if it's bad news for Washington in a lot of regards. Okay, here's the, here's the two I really want to talk about quickly. Anthony Harris and Justin Simmons are the safeties from Minnesota and Denver, respectively. The reason I wanted to talk about them is I thought both would get contracts. Now, Minnesota was a little harder because they were cap, kind of in cap hell. They had to extend Kirk Cousins and make it, you know, obviously trade away Stefan Diggs to help them from a financial standpoint. But, you know, Harris seemed like a lock to be a, a linchpin in the backfield for them in, in the secondary. And here's where the franchise tag hurts. And there's not many positions where I can still say this because, like I said, the, the running back at $10 million, that's good money for Derrick Henry. Dak, Dak Prescott getting $31 million, that's good money for a quarterback. But Justin Simmons and Anthony Harris at $11.4 million, that's low because the top salary money is over $15 million right now, and both of them deserve it. Both of them should have extensions right now that have reset the safety market, and neither of them got it. So they're going to play on a little bit less. And in Minnesota's case, it's like I mentioned, it's because that roster is full of expensive veterans, but that's not the case in Denver. Denver is loaded with rookies, loaded with young, cheap players across the offense, especially. Simmons is just kind of, I think, the, uh, the victim of John O'Way saying, I got to pump the brakes on this defense and see where we're at, because I think he knows he might have to sign Von Miller to a $150 million extension soon. And you might, you might be thinking, I'm going to start there before I you know, sign a safety or a cornerback or something like that. Uh, thoughts on the franchise tag as a whole when it's this much lower than the top paid player in the position, Scott? The previous CBA, they, were, they changed the format of it. So it wasn't as impactful and growing as it had been. So I think what we're seeing is these values aren't as high as some of these contracts that are getting signed in the long run, with some of these contracts that are getting signed now, I mean, it, it should help pull those fam, uh, franchise tags up. I mean, with the quarterback, for sure, with Mahomes' and some other deals that are going to come in. But for some of these other positions, if these contracts aren't getting signed to, you know, next man up, these franchise tags are just going to sort of be at a stalemate for years to come. Yeah. And teams are just going to keep using them as not – is, is the placeholder instead of, you know, trying not just to a placeholder, but a bargain and a bargain yeah. and, and not, and not essentially use it for what it was intended, where you, you tag them and then really try to get the extension done. I agree. And to further that conversation, we can talk about Shaq Barrett, Matt Judon, Bud Dupree, who are in that conversation we've had for years and years now where they're being tagged as linebackers even though they play the majority of their snaps maybe as a defensive end. The defensive end tag is $17 million. The linebacker tag is $15.8 million. Obviously, the team's going to choose the lower one. These players have to go to an arbitration process 
basically like a pro football focused <laughs> court where they have to evaluate which position they are based on every snap they've taken over the past year. And, uh, you know, they're essentially granted a positional tag at the end of that process to, to see if they're making one or the other. The Ravens basically just said, can we just come to an agreement and split the deal here? We'll give you 16.8 million, which is the middle point of those two numbers essentially, and go from there. Judon accepted that. Um, we'll see if Shaq Barrett gets that exact same situation. You can manipulate the one year however you want now, by the way. So the only thing that these players are locked out of are a multi-year extension. The Dallas Cowboys can make Dak Prescott worth $40 million tomorrow if they want to. They can up the ante. They can give him a signing bonus. They can do whatever they want to this one year. That's something that gets kind of missed in a lot of these conversations about the franchise tag. But you can do whatever you want to the one year. So from, you know, if your Shaq Barrett in Tampa Bay didn't extend you, I wonder if they throw a couple million dollars extra at him. This guy had 19 and a half sacks yesterday, last year. Okay, I mean, he carried a situation that was, could have been so bad with Jameis Winston's 35 turnovers, but, he, but his defensive prowess just completely kept that team in the games. I think he deserves at least the top dollar tag, the $17 million tag. I hope that's what happens. It looks like he's going to go to, you know, he and Drew Rosenhaus are probably going to go to court and make that happen. But Tampa, these teams, it's a bad look is my point. It's a bad look for these teams to be trying to lowball a couple of million dollars out of these players along with the franchise tag. The franchise tag is already a placeholder, a lack of player control. It's all those things. Why would you have to do this as well? This is a nickel and dime situation. I don't think it's worth it. I'd like to see this. And you mentioned the CBA negotiations. This completely got glossed over. This is mm -hmm. something the players should have been attacking was, was these positional alignments in the, in the franchise tags. And they just didn't even get around to it with, with trying to get that thing through the door by March 13th. So it's a miss. I, I would like to see the teams kind of clean this up on their own and police this and just get rid of that discrepancy. Why even have some court system do it? Um, but we'll see. That It's the least of probably a lot of people's problems right now. All right. Any other franchise tags to discuss? Hunter Henry, tight end with the Chargers. Just too many injuries. That was always going to be the case. It was logical for him to get the tag and play that out. No, by the way. It's a similar situation to Washington where the quarterback is a little bit in flux right now. Tyrod Taylor versus Justin Herbert. Who knows what's going to happen there at the end of the year. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing from his standpoint, you don't want to be locked into a situation you, you might want to get out of anyway. Um, anybody else? Are you good with this? Are you good no, with Dak? Good. You feel comfortable for Dak? Yeah, like I said, for him, he gets the guaranteed money. And then if they tag him again, they're going to tag him again. So you can, you, what we can say now about Dak Prescott is he's a $70 million man over the next two years, if you want yeah, to. And I, yeah, and I don't think you can, you can gawk at that at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, he, he wants the multi-year deal, but we know the multi-year deal is most likely going to, even if it was a five-year deal, we know it's going to be a three-year on in actuality, most likely. So if you can take two full guaranteed salaries and be a $70, $70 million man, I mean, for me, I'd take it. I think he'd take it too. And then if he does play really well on the field and he can walk, there's going to be teams that want him, especially in two years. Today's episode is also brought to you by Dynasty Owner. Do you think you're smarter than an NFL GM? Do you think you're the best at fantasy football? Here's your chance to prove it. Dynasty Owner unites the fan and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office and the business side of owning an NFL franchise. Build a roster of players using their actual NFL contracts and salaries. Can you build a winner while staying under the salary cap? Visit DynastyOwner.com and join a league today. Win cash prizes and compete in the chase for the ring. Tell them Spot Trek sent you. You'll get an extra bonus after joining your league. 
Visit DynastyOwner.com and tell them Trek sent you. What's more interesting, having 10 players on franchise tags that we get to discuss all offseason about whether or not they're going to sign or get traded or stay on the tag or just not having a franchise tag and letting those players go into free agency and making free agency that much better when you have your elite players allowed to walk into free agency on their own. What's better? The latter, for sure. You want Is that better players. for the league too, Scott? Speak from the fans' yeah. perspective, speak from the players' perspective, and then speak from the league's perspective. From the fans' perspective, yes, because it would generate way more conversation. Instead of having one team – uh, everyone talking about the Cowboys, you'd have 31 other teams in play for him to go to. Um, from a team standpoint, I mean, they're getting them at 31. Uh, like we just said, the, the teams are sort of abusing the franchise tag. Uh, enough said right there. And from a league standpoint, I mean, if I was the league, I would want the movement. I would want the talk. Mm-hmm. Look at the NBA. All the movement, max salaries, yes, uh, you know, they can only have the cap space and, and whatnot to sign their players. But we saw a lot of the signing trades, uh, even with the max amount of money, and you had the movement. Right now, you, you're stuck with talking about these franchise tag players on those teams. Yeah, they could potentially get traded, and, but there's compensation that has to come back in, in the event that, that happens. But we're stuck on talking about a player with one team when – you could have been talking about all of these players for months on end of where they're going to go, negotiations, and, and not only on top of that, from a player side, those negotiations could help those values of those other players go up because there's going to be a bidding war, especially when you have multiple safeties or quarterbacks or running backs being tagged. They're going to go against each other in that offer, um, in the market. There's no question. To me, there's no question what the answer is. These players should be allowed to walk whenever they're ready after these rookie contracts. Um, I think the franchise tag is bad for the, bad for the sport. I get it. And I think at one point, reducing movement was a big deal to the NFL. You wanted jersey sales to matter. You, you know what I mean? That's what you're giving up. That's what the NBA has forfeited is this is my guy. I got his jersey. I can stick with this for six years. That's gone. I mean, if you've got a Kevin Durant, Oklahoma City jersey, you know, you, you either burned it or it's in the back of a closet somewhere. Um, but that's just how it goes in those kind of leagues. And baseball is kind of similar. We're seeing a lot more movement at trade deadlines. You mentioned the sign and trade. It's just not possible in the NFL because no. sign and trade means signing bonus. <laughs> and and nobody's going to take on a signing bonus just then to trade somebody else away. That's ludicrous. That's crazy cap management. So that's not even a part of this. That's what, that, I guess that's why the franchise tag and a trade off of the tag works because it's just straight salary. It's going to get ripped up anyway and turn into to an extension somewhere else. Um, that is something, though, that I think we should have a discussion about more maybe later on in the year is how if free agency is going to suck. And it has. NFL free agency has sucked. And it's, get, it's worse because of the franchise tag. It's worse because a lot of t- players have stayed and extended with their own teams, which is okay. I'm not going to argue that. But if the free agency is going to be bad, the trade market has to get better. It's got to get better. It, your league needs one of those things happening to keep interest. Now, I know the NFL is king and they get you know, tons of eyeballs no matter what they do. But they're at risk here a little bit. This was a bad offseason. <laughs> it was. I understand Mahomes signed for 450. But you can't have guys like Jadavian Clowney not being signed. That's not, that's not good for your sport. That's not good at all. So 
you're, you're making free agency kind of a bad place to go, kind of a toxic place to enter right now. And to me, that's a negative. That's a negative for the league. So if the franchise tags are doing that, and I know it's a moot point because they just signed a new CBA and these things are here to stay for the next nine years. But I wonder if players start to get more antsy with these things and start to speak up a little bit more and uh, really, really demand themselves get out of it or not just flat out not playing them, right? Just not lay on bellum. Is there a situation where the CBA and the NFLPA, they could um, hmm. do an amendment halfway through yes. on the franchise to uh, null and void it? Or yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the bacon you'd eat for breakfast that would have to be flying through the middle of the sky. That's exactly yeah. how it happens. It's it's possible from a legal standpoint, but yeah. can you even imagine? I can't even imagine owners sitting down and saying, "Let's work on this." You know, we're uh we're not happy paying Dak Prescott thirty one million dollars. No, it's the teams love this. They love the control. They love the the cost control. I mean, we're talking about how there's three four million saved, you know, just this year alone for some of these guys because they didn't get extended. That's certainly the case. So. All right, two, we had two, uh, just to wrap it up here, we had two franchise tag players sign a contract. Again, it's Chris Jones at five years, $80 million, $37 million guaranteed at signing, $60 million fully guaranteed through the first three. There sounds like there's $5 million more in incentives. We had Derrick Henry lock in four years, $50 million with the Tennessee Titans, $25.5 guaranteed. I would imagine that's likely over the first two years and then probably options after that point. Good deals. These are good stuff. And oh, by the way, Miles Garrett just officially locked in his five-year, $125 million extension. Sounds like there's about $100 million of that guaranteed. I can't believe that's the number, but we will see how that looks from a structure standpoint when we get those. That's big, that's big time bucks. So we'll certainly have a podcast discussing that contract singularly. Other than that, uh, we'll see what we can get to training camp. We mentioned in the open here, Scott, that the NFLPA has made some demands or at least some requests about training camp stipend, some guaranteed contracts, if and when the season can't happen. Uh, all that kind of stuff that baseball went back and forth on for a lot of months is coming out to, with the NFL now. We'll see what happens. And did you see Florio's tweet this morning, Scott? I was thinking of you. No, I didn't. There is no force majeure clause in the NFL CBA. Really? Which, means the, which means the NFL PA has a lot of power here. They've got some, wow. they've got some wiggle room. So their, their demands now you know, they're not going to get them all, but they're out there and the league's going to have to respond to them. So they're at a good starting point, I think, from a player's perspective of at least getting financial security through this 2020 season. Wow. Interesting, huh? Yeah. All right. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track for 40% off your annual subscription. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast. 